0: Hey, man. Hey, that word was powerful, bro. Was service good today? Service was super
1: good, dude. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad I came today, man.
0: Man, hey, you know what, man? I just feel like after a word like that, I just I feel like God is impregnated, me. pregnant. You know what I'm saying? And, and at any time, any point in time, this word, this word is gonna get birthed through. Water me. gonna break. You know what I'm saying? Man, for yeah. sure, man. Hey, hey, what's going on, Sharon? I what's up, Sharon? girl? What i do, do? Girl, do? you looking good, girl. I, I know you got to leave. Tell Greg uh, when you see him. I said, "What's up? All right, <laughs> all right." <laughs> Hey, uh, speaking of Sharon and being pregnant, did you know
1: that she three months pregnant? No. But been married for two months. Oh my gosh. Sound like some shacking up to me. That's what
0: it sounds like, sound like to me. Sound like to me. Anyways,
1: mm. let's get back on track. Right. You know, right, we're gonna right. pray for him. Jesus bless him. Um, yeah, man, the word today was awesome. It was awesome. Powerful. Oh, oh my good. God. I just feel like God just moved the weight. Come Just on. a weight lifted, move, shifted, gone. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's out of here. Yeah, yeah. You feel me? Okay, oh, man. Hey, what up, Ron? How you doing, baby? Hey, man, Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, I ain't see you in a minute, brother. All right, you looking good. <laughs> All right, man. All right, for sure, for sure.
0: You know, speaking of moving weight, you know, Brother Ron went to jail for selling drugs, right? What? Yeah, brother re- Ron? And the reason why you ain't seen him, because he been in jail for two years.
1: And I thought he was doing coke. I didn't think he was moving it.
0: I know, man. Hard times, man. Hard times. Oh my gosh. But let's just pray for the brother. Jesus you know what I'm saying? Christ. Hey. You know, back the message though, right? Yes, the, the message. Me- the message was just so good, man. Oh man. You know, I just, you know, at this point in time in my life, man, after hearing something like that, I just feel like I just gotta separate. Separate. From you know what I'm saying? I, I can't, if you're not ready to go to the next level with me, I just gotta separate. Come on, you me. gotta move. You know what I'm saying? I'm just I just gotta separate. You gotta go. Hey, my favorite couple, the Johnsons. Hey. How y'all doing? Hey, y'all 20 years strong, right? 20. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. I love the Johnson. Right, I that's love him too, time. man.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. good to see you, brother. All right, <laughs> All right, speaking of separation, yeah. did you know that the Johnsons are going through a divorce right oh, now? The Johnson. You know why? Why? Mr. Johnson brought a third person into marriage, and I ain't talking about Jesus. Oh, no. Oh. He did. He did. Oh, he did. Man, that's just sad,
0: man. We just, we just got to pray for him. Shonda LaHonda,
1: yeah. we're going we to pray, Jesus. We're going to bless him. Right. Amen.
0: What's but uh, what's what's going on with you, man? What you got? Anything? You know what I'm saying? Ooh. Nah, I'm good. Nothing, nothing. What about you? Me, nah. I just, I'm just boring, man. I, I, ain't, I ain't doing nothing at the house. I just chilling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, all right. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, hey, Pastor D. Pastor D. We was just talking about you, brother. Hey, hey, this word, man. I I was just telling them, man. It was it it changed my life, Pastor Dean. Changed my life too, brother. You doing the Lord's work? You doing the Lord's work. Go Packers. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
1: all right. Uh, You heard about Pastor Dean, right? Pastor Dean. Man, come on, let's go talk about
0: it. it. (laughs)
2: There I am. That was my bad. Sorry about that. How many guys appreciate our tech team back there? Amen. Amen. Well, we're in this series together, and we talked a couple of weeks ago as we kicked it off that we are, Real Life Church, is a friendly church. How many know that's a good characteristic to have? Right? Being a friendly church is a great. Great quality, a great characteristic, but God doesn't want us to stay there. He actually desires a church that is filled with friendships, filled with friends, because it's an indication that there is a strong commitment to community. And how many you know? Community is not just this, you know, fluffy, lovely thing. Community is work. Come on, community, you know you have community when your relationships, as Pastor Damian mentioned last week, survive conflict. And that's what makes us stronger together. And so many times, listen, we quit on our best relationships, our closest friendships when conflict comes. And I want to tell you this morning that it is worth fighting for your friendships and keeping it together. A community is only as strong as its relationships, and a church is only as strong as its friendships. In fact, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, a person that has a good friend at the church they attend are most likely to flourish and thrive in the relationship with God. So friends are important in deepening our faith in God. Research tells us that the most Consistent characteristics that make a place like church worth staying is relationships. Churches that foster a sense of community and help people cultivate friendships will become an important part of people's sense of place. I just want you to just... Highlight that word in your notes or on your Uversion app, but just underline that or circle it, this sense of place and their willingness to call that place home. You see, in a world that has grown increasingly transient and a job market that forces young Adults and young professionals and young families to relocate away from family. And friends, Amy and I, we are Bay Area transplants. My sister uh, worked for Google, and actually during the pandemic, uh, they asked her to move to Austin to help build the Google culture there in Austin. My parents retired, and they decided to move to Louisiana so that, they, that their dollar would go further. And so we have this transient culture happening that makes even our closest family relationships and our friendships more difficult. What once were common connections with our grandparents and our uncles and our aunties and our nieces and our nephews and our, and our cousins, what was once a regular day, I remember going to my cousin, my My dad and my uncle, we just lived across town. I remember literally every week seeing my cousins, and now we're spread across the nation. And how many of you know these relationships now are not a a weekly occurrence, but they're a holiday event, if you're lucky? In place of this, there is a need for new environments that can give rise to relationships and friendships between older and younger generations. And in research, we see that the most common place that this happened is the workplace. How many of you got a good friend at work? Wow, where do you guys work? Anyway, <laughs> how, most of my, why, why are our good friends, some of our closest people uh, are at work? Why? Because we spend eight-plus hours a day in the workplace. But the church... Is also primed to foster these much-needed relationships in a place like Natoma's, where we're getting Bay Area trans, where we're where people are moving literally from all over the world and landing in nine five eight three four and three five and three three. I How many you know it is a divine thing that God is doing in Natoma's and setting up the church for the opportunity to facilitate a place where friendship can be fostered you see i desire to create an environment at real life church that provides a sense of place where people find jesus but also the transformational connection of friendship come on added to our faith you see i believe when people find their place they find their purpose I believe when people find their sense of place, they find, come on, the prince of peace. I believe when they find their sense of place, they really find the community that God is calling them. They find their friends. And as we pursue the principles of friendship that you've heard over the last couple of weeks, I believe we can provide this sense of place, I really do, in a world that doesn't make any sense. And what God provides through us as a church, I believe he calls us to protect it. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today is keeping it together. Let's stay friends. I want to give you three key stops in fostering this sense of place and keeping what we have together again in a world that's trying to tear us apart. The first key stop we have to make is this. We have to stop allowing dishonest people to plant seeds of discord in our lives. Proverbs 16:28. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. A whisperer is just... One word that the Bible uses to describe somebody who likes the juicy gossip. Come on, like my brothers up here, they just like to whisper about others. Another version, the Amplified says, a perverse man sows strife. Another version says, a twisted person. Come on, have you ever got it twisted before? A twisted person spreads rumors. In other words, we have to stop agreeing and entertaining words. Listen, that Let me just say it again. In the word In other words, let's stop agreeing and entertaining words we disagree with that are meant to wound and harm other people. Yeah. To be perverse is showing a deliberate and obstinate desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable. Often in spite of the consequences. And contrary to the accepted or expected standard or practice. I believe God is calling healthy believers to emerge in this season. Healthy believers, listen, I believe, have the responsibility to stop reasoning with those who are sowing the unreasonable. And we have to stop freely accepting what is unacceptable. The Bible, how many know, is our except, expected standard and practice. The Bible is filled with principles that, if applied, how many know, will protect your most precious relationships and your dearest friendships. If applied, everybody say apply it. <laughs> you see, the Word of God provides a standard of living, listen, that only by God's grace. And only by the Holy Spirit's power, listen, that we can begin to live the principles that God has given us out. You see, God's grace and power transformed the Bible from a book of rules to a book of tools. And today, listen, I want to equip you. I want to open God's toolbox. And I want to teach us as a congregation how to keep it together. Let's stay friends. Let's stay friends in the midst of controversy. Let's stay friends in the midst of conflict. Let's stay friends and let Christ shine brighter in our lives and in our church. You see, whenever I entertain words that disagree with God's word, I'm allowing someone to plant a harvest in my life that I may not want to reap. Has anybody ever shared somebody's business with you? Come on, and you reaped the harvest when that person came to you? <laughs> Only me, all right. You see, whenever I listen to words that I know that are not true about someone else, I'm allowing dishonesty and deceit to separate me from the truth I really know about my friends. Amy and I were on staff at New Life Church for eight years. Great church. In fact, last night, uh, we went out with Pastor Mark and Kathy to a great restaurant, by the way, in Roseville, uh, 105 Noshin. You got to go there. Really good food. And uh, we were on staff there, and there was an elderly couple in that church that was just really dear, uh, dear folks, and Gene and Betty Morgan, awesome people, Uh, Gene is with Jesus now, but Gene was a gardener, and he would bring the staff, like, every Sunday during harvest, he would bring, like, the best watermelons. Not the round ones you get at Costco, but the oblong ones. You know those ones? Like super sweet with a bunch of seeds. Those are the best watermelons right there. Then he would bring like zucchini that looked like they came from the promised land. I'm talking like giant zucchini bigger than the watermelon, you know. Tomatoes. You name it, Gene would bring it. I mean, bag after bag after bag. And so Gene and Betty just, I had a lot of favor. Uh, uh, in that church with the, with the elderly and uh, the Hilltoppers Ministry is what they called it. And they invited Amy and I out to lunch one day. We actually went to Garcia's on Madison. And they invited another couple uh, with us. And we didn't know them that well. Um, and that was our first time at Garcia's. And so we ordered what we like to order, enchiladas and rice and beans and all those good things. And and it's, the food finally came. And Gene prayed for us all. And we began to eat, and as soon as I put that first uh, bite of food in my mouth, the other lady that they invited to be with us started talking about Pastor Mark. Had my mouth full and almost choked on my food. She just had a long list. She was going in, seemed like for about a minute. And as soon as Gene cleared his throat and got his food down, I'm talking Gene at the time was 78 years old. He slammed his hand on the table and he said, listen, we didn't invite them out to lunch to listen to that garbage. Let's eat and enjoy good fellowship. I was like, go Gene. Needless to say, we didn't go out to lunch with the other couple anymore, but Gene and Betty lived a witness and protected what God was doing at New Life. Proverbs twenty nineteen says, a gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang out with chatterers. Another translation says this, a blabbermouth. Come on. A blabber mouth will reveal your secrets. So stay away from people who can't keep their mouth shut. You see, we have to stop allowing dishonest people to plant seeds of discord and seeds of disagreement. That's what discord means. Seeds of division. We have to stop allowing them to plant those seeds in our midst. Listen, in our life, in our church, on the job. At the school, our kids attend in our small groups. <clears throat> when Josiah was a junior, there was a major coaching change, and Coach Fickle was the defensive coordinator for Ohio State. And uh, before those two years, under Tommy T- Tubberville, the Bearcats had a dismal record at home. They were four and eight, um, really bad program, really unhealthy program. But when Coach Fickle came, they really began to attack. The culture and create, uh, inject health into it. And one of the things, one of the values they brought with them was protect this house. Nippert Stadium is literally um, one of the oldest college stadiums, right in the center of uh, of campus. They call it the Wrigley Field of college football, an amazing stadium. And so he had these he had these uh, workout shirts said protect this house and and so no longer were the There was a different attitude, there was a different view, and a different perspective. And in 2017, when Coach uh, Luke Fickle came, they they didn't have a great record, but they didn't lose at home. The the team started believing it, and the players started, hey, we're not going to allow other teams to come in here, talk trash to us, slap us around, and give us a big L. 2017, yesterday, they played Indiana and they beat them. Come on, somebody. But listen, what was so exciting since 2017 and this value of protect the house, the Bearcats have not lost at home. Just with a change and a shift in the the mindset. And I believe, listen, come on, we've got to protect what God is doing in this house. The second key stop we have to make is we have to stop the fires that are burning down our friendships. We all know the damage that fires can do, and literally they'll trace a fire that burns hundreds of thousands of acres to a little spark or a a campfire or a barbecue that got out of control. Proverbs 26, 20 says, fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. You see, I believe healthy believers don't participate in unhealthy conversations. They confront they correct, and they change the course of the conversation. Oftentimes when Amy and I are out or if I'm going out with somebody and they ask me to pray, I'll, just, I'll simply pray this prayer. Lord, thank you for connecting, being able to connect with my friend today. I pray that you would be the center of our conversation. Bless this food in the hands that prepared it. Amen. Why do I, pre- why do I pray that that little prayer, because listen, if the conversation gives off course, listen, I believe as a, as a believer, a healthy believer, I have a responsibility that every time a, a little bit of a conversation gets off course, I have the responsibility to pull it back to the center, to pull Jesus back into the middle of that conversation. Let me just give you the characteristics of someone who stands to be corrected. Now, most of us, we don't like confrontation. I'm not a confrontation guy. I avoid conflict. But one of the things that I've learned is there's such thing as healthy conflict. There, there's such thing as having to go on a deeper dive on a discussion listen, that you might disagree with somebody. Instead of just checking them off, you might just want to schedule a cup of coffee. And, and ask them why or, or go deeper, go below a Sunday Hall conversation or a post somebody posted on Facebook. Listen, connect with them and find out why yeah. this is healthy for us. Yeah. Instead of running away from conversation and assuming the worst, let's explore it and find out the best. Yeah. The scripture gives us different labels for those who want to burn down Friendships. Different scriptures, different translations, mostly found in Proverbs, by the way, and the Psalms. But the first characteristic of someone who stands to be corrected is a backbiter in Scripture. A backbiter is someone who says mean or spiteful things about a person who is not present. The Bible talks about a murmurer, not a murderer, but a murmurer. A murmur, uh, this, this one got me right here. This one is, man, a person who habitually complains, grumbles, a complainer, a crab, a fault finder, a grouch, a growler, a grumbler, a grump, a mutterer, and a whiner. Come on, haven't you met a few of those in there? Come on. That's a murmur, a gossiper. This one, this one right here. Listen, it's kind of like I love this one right here. It was kind of like this conversation that we've seen between Lou and Elijah. A gossiper is someone who talks eagerly and casually <laughs> about other people. You see, when you gossip, someone who talks enthusiastically about others, people's news or business, is considered a gossiper. Yeah. Proverbs 18:8 8 says, "Listening to gossip." is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want that junk like that in your belly? Come on, how many of you have ate too much chocolate? Come on, your stomach turned. I guess I'm the only one who's ate cheap chocolate before. A slanderer, a gossip, a purveyor of malicious murmuring with little concern for the truth. A talebearer A person who spreads gossips and secrets that may cause trouble or harm. A whisperer, a person who spreads gossip or rumors. And as this translation puts this verse, a twisted person spreads rumors and whispering gossip ruins good friends. As believers, we have a responsibility to confront in love To correct and bring these conversations back to the center. Some years ago, the following appeared in the Atlanta Journal. Said this, it was a little poem. It says, I'm more diddly than the screaming shell of a howitzer. Y'all know what a howitzer is? If you don't know what a howitzer is, can you put that picture up there? of a howitzer? Leave that up there for a second. I'm more deadly than the screaming shell of a howitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes. I break hearts. I wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for the defenseless. My victims are numerous as the sand of the sea and often as innocent. I never forget and seldom forgive. My name is gossip. And listen, when we're allowing this to go on, come on, in the body, come on, it's like setting off a howitzer in our midst. The third and last key that I want to give you today is that we have to stop dwelling on disputes and start fostering friendship. We have to stop dwelling on disputes and start fostering friendship. Proverbs seventeen nine says this, one who forgives an affront. An affront is an action or remark that causes outrage or offense. Anybody ever been outraged by something someone did to you or said to you? Yeah. Right? Outraged. One who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. An offense is a resent- resentment that is brought about by a perceived insult to or disregard for oneself or one's standards or principles. And many times, not all the time, many times people are unaware that they are alienated, listen, their closest friends, by dwelling on disputes, by dwelling on disagreements, by dwelling on things that, listen, separate us and divide us. But forgiveness, here's the powerful thing that I want you to not only hear today, but I want you to encounter the forgiveness of a loving God this morning. Listen, a God who has given us every tool in the toolbox to get free from this stuff in our lives, to get free from the words, listen, and the war that our words cause. Listen, to get healed from the pain that the things spoken or done to you in your life, to get healed from that. It's in the toolbox. And the Holy Spirit, listen, I believe, is present today to minister to us and take you back to the place, listen... Where you began to separate yourself from those that were closest to you, whether it was family members or whether it was friendships. And God wants to deal with that separation. He wants to deal with that hurt. He wants to deal with that, that disappointment, whatever it is. And he wants you to, first of all, he wants to draw you close back to him. Because how I many you know forgiveness affects our unforgiveness affects our relationship with Jesus and our intimacy with the Lord. And then secondly, he wants you, listen, to be able, come on, to forgive. He wants you to be able to release others who have caused you hurt or harm. Forgiveness is the best tool in fostering friendship. Even in marriage, 29 years of marriage to my wife, Amy, I can tell you. There's been a lot of forgiveness that has flowed during those 29 years. How I many know you don't make it 29 years without forgiveness? Come on, y'all, they've been married for a while, right? You don't, you don't make it without forgiveness flowing in your relationships. Has anybody ever just made your blood boil? Like at church. Yep. <laughs> if we're honest, right? We're talking about outraged. We're talking about offended. And then that offense, when we dwell on it, it festers, and that offense becomes resentment and rage and bitterness. a resentment that you perceived as an insult or a total disregard for the standards and principles you stand by. And that person walked all over you, talked down to you, disrespected you. And what happens, I don't know if you've ever been locked up. Anybody ever been locked up? I've never been locked up. And went to the pen, but I've been locked up in a pair of handcuffs before. <clears throat> but when we get offended and and we begin to dwell on those disputes, how many know that that affects us. Now, the person that offended us or hurt us, how many know sometimes they don't even know they hurt us. Come on, so, sometimes we, we just we, we just... You know, they looked at us funny, and they were having a bad day, right? They didn't have a bad heart. They were having a bad day, right? Pastor Damien right there, right? They were having a a bad day, and they looked at us kind of funny, and we're like, huh. (laughs) do you see how Pastor Damien looked at me? Doesn't he know I'm the lead pastor? Don't he know I'd sign his checks? Now, I I begin to dwell on that. I said, do you see... Pastor Damien last week he made fun of me when I was speaking, uh, when, when I was gone behind my he's a back, backbiter and I and I begin to dwell on those things and and then and and, and I'm now now I'm I've lost control internally yeah. and I'm allowing the external things to control me yeah, yeah, yeah. so now we're up we're up together in the front row and go ahead and worship. He's worshiping. I'm like, Psh. He thinks he's worshiping the Lord. He's not worshiping the Lord. He talked about me last week. I'm telling you, he's far from God. He's and I'm bit, and everything Pastor Damien does, even when like it's good, it's a it's a man, he's tearing it, like, and everything he says that's like you guys are shouting an amen. I'm watching online and I'm like, Psh. Dude, I gave him that on Tuesday in the service planning meeting. And like, I'm just dwelling, like, and I'm making the whole thing up a lot of the time, right? And this is what happens, right? I took offense to something that he didn't even know he did in this case, right? He didn't know he did it, but I'm dwelling on it. And listen, and and everything he does is, is causing a reaction in me. He's treating people nice. And I'm like, that's fake. Everything he does is agitating me. But listen, Jesus doesn't want us to live allowing external things to control what's going on inside of here. Wouldn't that be funny if I forgot the key? Hopefully i get this off. There we go. There we go. Take it off, brother. Woo! I told you it was a little bit sticky situation, but I forgave him. But listen, God did not design us to carry these things around. Jesus died to give us the key to forgiveness that will release you and you and release others that you've chained yourself to through offense and bitterness and resentment and anger. How do I keep it together when I'm outraged? How do I keep it together? How do I forgive a friend that offended me? How do I forgive a friend who hurt me? How do I forgive a family member who talked about me the last holiday? How do I forgive that person who disappointed me and let me down and made me look like a fool? How do I forgive? How do I let go? How do I get that thing from stop uh, controlling what's going on in the inside of me? The person who I once was so close to, now we're separated and we're miles apart from where we used to be. Amy's done this really well in her life. We had some dear friends. We were on staff together at the beginning of when we first started ministry. And, and uh, we moved uh, to Folsom to, to plant a church. And actually, we moved to Folsom because they encouraged us to, to go to Folsom and, and plant. And so we were excited. They were going to be on board with us. And <clears throat> make, a, make a long story short, when we moved to Folsom, they weren't as on board as we thought they were going to be. And that kind of came in, and for me personally, I just being honest here, it just kind of like agitated me a little bit, and kind of dwelled. In, and I'm telling, you, we went to Bible school together. Uh, I did with the husband, and, and we were so close. But just by dwelling on the that thing, you know, hey man, they said they were going to be there, and they not. Just got separated and distant, and distant, and distant ourselves. In that time, there was a lot of. I don't know, misunderstanding, and I just kind of checked the box. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) You ever done that? (laughs) Whatever. But Amy did the opposite. She said, she's my friend. I said, babe, they don't even care, babe. Like, they don't care about us. They said they were going to be there. They aren't there. They don't Little did they, we know they were going through their own thing. She said, no. She said, this has been 15 years in the making. I'm not, this is too good to let it go. She began to fight. And there, was, there, was time, there were I, I believe it was like a couple years that went by. That they didn't talk. Amy just kept praying. She said, no. That friendship's worth fighting for. I know there's been a misunderstanding. I know that maybe we haven't always said nice things to each other, but it's worth, worth, worth fighting for. That lady's still her best friend. Still her best friend today. Friday. It was it Friday or Thursday night? Thursday night, they came home from Maverick City like two little kids. <clears throat> they bought tickets. To, I'm like, man, I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, literally bought the T-shirt. I'm not going to that. They came in. Their hair was all... <sighs> tail, like, makeup was, like, dripping down, like, you know, mascara was running. They had been crying. And and I looked. and I was like, it was, like, 1130. And they're like, what are you still doing up? And I'm like, man, what happened to y'all, you know? And they're like, man, we encounter Jesus together. A friendship. I think about it. A friendship that Amy could have gave up on. And we could have just said, you know what? They're no longer friends. They're foes. And they're still friends. Because why? Conflict, when we handle it correctly... Listen, it makes us stronger. Come on, it makes us better. Forgiveness today involves a choice. The person who has been wronged can choose to forgive, amen? Or they can choose to hold on and not forgive. It's our choice. God doesn't force us. But if you want to be free today, you can make that decision right now. You see, when someone has sinned against us and hurt us, our sense of justice demands that a fair payment be made to us for what they did. Somebody's got to pay. If that person cannot pay or chooses not to pay, we reset the injustice and either become bitter and angry, leading to depression, or we can exercise forgiveness that leads to peace. Come on, how many want to piece it together? Forgiveness involves release, so it involves a choice, it involves a release. It's the voluntary act of releasing a person from the emotional damage caused by their sin and no longer holding them responsible for the consequences of what they did. It's literally taking the key, come on, of freedom and forgiveness and unlocking them and saying, you know what, I release you. I release you. And listen, even if they did hurt you, even if they did, you say, I, can, I release you. I forgive you. And I give you to God today. And then lastly, forgiveness involves a substitution. How many know Jesus did for us what we couldn't do by ourselves? He went to the cross to die for our sin so that we could live. Come on. An abundant life, not a redundant life. Listen, not a life that's on repeat. Man, here we go again. Here's this bitterness festering up again. Here's this offense coming up again. Here's this resentment. Here's this anger. And we're constantly pushing it down, putting a smile on our face on Sundays. But God's saying, you know what? You don't have to live with that anymore. You can make a choice to release that today because I died for it all. In Jesus' name. You see, we have to be willing to apply Jesus' payment to the emotional pain that people have caused us. And if we choose to forgive as God forgive us, we will be free from the resentment, bitterness, and depression. And this is the last thing I want to say to you today before we pray. The only thing that can help you and I with our outrage is God's outrageous love and God wants to move in our hearts today I believe he wants to do some surgery how about you how about just allowing the Holy Spirit to probe our hearts and allow forgiveness to foster friendship would you bow your head with me for just a moment the first thing That I want to mention. Listen, it's hard to forgive if you've not asked God for forgiveness, if you haven't asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. And I know this first service, there's a lot of regulars and a lot of uh, frequent attenders in first service, but if there's anybody here that you have not yet asked Jesus, for, to forgive you of your sins so that he could come and give you a brand new start. Is there anybody in here? You just, by the lifting of your hands, you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Yes, sir, right up here. Anybody else you would just say, I need Jesus to come and flood my heart? Yes, right here. Yes. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. You're just saying, yes, Lord Jesus. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for these four folks right here. And I want us to all just pray this prayer. Right now, let's just say this, Lord, dear Jesus, thank you for providing all the forgiveness I need at the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood and giving me a new beginning. My past, my mistakes, my shortcomings are forgiven. And I receive you today, and I commit to walking in my new beginning. Come into my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me power to live according to your word. In Jesus' name. Welcome, welcome to RLC.